When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And this is the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is Friday, January 13th, Brendan. And if folks are listening to this early in the morning on Friday and live in Chicago or have headed to Chicago, you are likely getting ready for CubsCon. It is that time of year. So I've never been to CubsCon. I, I, I said this last podcast, but have you gone ever before, Corey? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just one of those things where like, I've never really been like a big like autograph um, or like, even like, like I would love to meet some of them, but like, I'm so weird and like, I don't really have any, I, I don't know what to say to a lot of these guys. Like, you just like shake their it, hand it, and just stand yeah, it'd there. Yeah, be cool. But like, I, you know, it's, it's, it probably would give me more, uh, social anxiety than anything else, you know, having to prepare yeah. to like meet Nico Horner. I'd be like nervous about that rather than like enjoying it. So well, I think he'd be friends with us. I want to be nervous about Nico. Maybe other guys. Perhaps, yeah. Um, but right, it, you know, it it's it's a good time um, if that's your kind of thing. And I, I think especially, you know, I know a lot of teams do this, but I think you especially see this at CubsCon. Like, it is always a, a good reminder of just how like devoted this fan base is, and the connection that the team has to the city and the fans and you see so many people coming from all over uh you know that have made friends and and you know uh chosen families through the cubs and um all the old time players new players that are you know being welcomed in i know i saw guys like jameson tyone tweeting uh tucker barnhart tweeting that they're you know heading to chicago and looking forward to kind of being a part of this for the first time so um you know maybe not specifically you and I's kind of thing uh, in some ways, but it is still a, a very fun and, and, you know, I think special weekend and especially with the last couple of years and COVID and all that stuff, it's it's good that it's back in full swing. Well, we're going to see pictures of Nico and Dance Me. Like I'm looking forward to that the most of anything, mm-hmm. just those two getting pictures. Yeah. Spectacular. Definitely. On stage. Yeah. And, and suit, you know, it's also, uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff, right? Like I'm quite interested as to how that Ricketts family panel goes. It's been a while since they've done it. Um, you know, typically like the group at CubsCon is not always the most, uh, let's say critical, right? Like I'm not well, expecting Well, the last time they were on to... stage, they booed him for Marquee, right? That was the last CubsCon? Yeah, I mean that is true. Uh, I that that but that kind of lines up though. That was more like we're loyal Cub fans and we're WGN till we die kind of a vibe, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm yeah. just saying I'm not necessarily expecting um, you know them getting tomatoes thrown at them for you know the budget or spending or 
uh, trades and things like that. But uh, you never know. I mean, that's that's what I mean. It's I'm going to be very curious to see how that goes and um, what kind of questions they get, what kind of questions they answer. Um, should be interesting. Yeah, I um, you know, I don't really care about the owner stuff. Like, it's going to be a bunch of owners speak. Sure. You know, like you yeah. can imagine what the rookies are going to say. I'm curious to hear what Carter Hawkins has to say with some of those questions. The offseason's wrapping up. They're not connected to Trey Mancini anymore. We've heard a lot from Jed, but I want to hear from Carter. I want to hear what his thoughts are with the pitching, with the direction, with the state of the team, the, the luxury tax. Like, to me, that's the most um, baseball-related content that we're going to get that might give us more information of uh, how the season's supposed to go. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, they you do hear a lot. You know, I know, uh, I think I saw Brennan Davis was heading to town. Um, so, you know, you get to, to see some of those guys and, and hear about what's going on um, in the farm system. We have a lot of those people and, and, you know, the players and the coaches and the people a part of that infrastructure. So it is, you know, especially as we're in the off season, it's, it is a nice opportunity to kind of get a lot of the organization together and to catch up on things and um, just have those discussions again. So, I think that's uh, something to look forward to. And, and, you know, it's just an indication that we're closer to baseball, right? You know, we've obviously spent we a lot are. of time talking about this team and how we're feeling about it, and we'll continue to do that. Um, but it is nice, you know, that CubsCon is here, which means it's about, you know, we're, we're getting close. And I know they, I think they put out today that uh, Cubs pitchers and catchers reporting on February 15th and position players on February 20th. So, you know, we're about a month out, Brendan. It's it's about time to kick this off again. And we're going to see them probably come sooner as well. We, we've even seen some of the prospects at the facilities, like the younger guys playing. So for all intents and purposes, baseball is back in my mind. Are you like we upset have- that we're not, and I mean, obviously we haven't gotten any, uh, you know, footage of Jason Hayward mm-hmm. and Mesa working on his swing? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm kind of missing uh-huh. that. It, it was a yearly tradition. tradition. Yeah, it was. I did see Hayward at Dodger Stadium, though, in his jersey. So, you know, I still got that a little bit yeah. in me. He was notoriously yeah. one that would show up quite early and get, and get that work in. So, yeah, December. Uh, yeah. Uh, he is, you remember that side by side we made of him in 2017? Yeah, I do. You and I spent <laughs> a lot of time. I think we were trying to will it into existence, right? Like, if we yeah. hyperanalyze this enough, maybe it'll be better and fixed well i mean it was 2017 we were riding high you know yeah he had the personality the world series championship like yeah of course hayward's gonna return back to his you know atlanta braves days and that cardinal day but never happened alas right yeah so that is uh where we are but yeah uh you know kind of uh a little bit uh near a month out so kind of getting ready for that and as we transition to, you know, kind of talking about where things are, uh, you know, not uh, too much major news as it relates to the Cubs, as you've kind of seen some of the reports out there, some of the discussions, you know, maybe some other minor ads, but this kind of looking like the group, right? Unless uh, some things change. And I know, I think it was via Caesars Sportsbook putting out the odds, um, 78 wins the over under for the Chicago Cubs as it stands right now on January 13th. I'm curious what your initial thought is on that number. Um, A, you know, whether you would take the over under, uh, but also just at that being where the odds makers in Vegas have decided to 
place this line. You know, it's obviously very strategic as as far as they're concerned. So curious what you think about the number 78. A little bit lower than I expected. I thought maybe really? we'd get around 80. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised, but I thought we'd get like 80 flat. So 78 is like marginally lower than my expectations, but I'm not surprised whatsoever. Once you get into that 78, 82 range, for me, it's like no different. Um, I'm picking the over on that, but not to say like, hey, they're going to go like 85 wins. Like I'm thinking realistically, you can have an idea of like 78 to 82 wins. Um the reason they're probably low on the projection is no different than the other systems, such as Fangraphs and Steamer. They, they hate the Cubs pitching staff. They don't think that Steele is going to provide the Cubs uh, greater than league average value. They don't like Kyle Hendricks coming back. Um, they think Tyone is what he has been, which is fine as a league average two-war pitcher. And they don't like any of the younger guys, fourth starter and down. They don't like Smiley. They don't like... Wisniewski, they you know they don't like them in their computer simulation. So as a result, you're going to get that lower win number, and then you have Hosmer and his volatility. You have the ups and downs of other players in the years past, and they can't give the Cubs a confident estimate. So it's not surprising, and we've all talked about this for the past few weeks. Yeah, I I I thought that number was pretty much where I would have expected it to be, and it feels right, right in, in terms of setting a line where you're wagering either above or or under because I think in doing that um you know you're sort of deciding like okay does some of this stuff not work do they maybe trade some players um and do they stay under that projection or does enough work out and they you know try to compete for a playoff spot a little bit through the season and then you know you end up closer to 500 which is it feels like that's the decision and you know our guy Cody Del Mendo can more accurately speak on like the the betting angle and and things like that but that feels when you look at this roster you look at how last year went the offseason to me that feels like the appropriate question to ask right and it ultimately boils down to do you think this team gets to or sniffs 500 or not right that feels like the appropriate question that I think this uh, win total is sort of asking you to choose. Obviously, you you know they could hit seventy nine and hit the over and not be five hundred, but you're right there at that point, right? Like that's yeah. a, a very small deviation. So that feels like the right question to be asking about this team. Like, are, is it similar well, to last do you year? Take the, or do they, you take the you over know, on that? Say that again. Do you take the over on that? Oh man. <laughs> well, so and and why I think it's such a good line is that it it does still you have to ask that question right like if if things aren't going well do they move guys well, who they're gonna who are they gonna move well it's like, it's it's more so just that you, 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 we've seen this team not really go for it in the second half right in in two straight seasons right and so I think if you're betting on a full season line you have to you have to keep that threat in the back of your mind, don't you? That that for two straight years, this team has actively made itself worse at the trade deadline. Not organizationally, yeah. but for the actual well, team. Well, I mean, they field. could move Hap. That's like the big guy they can move at the deadline for, you know, a whole of packages. But from the bullpen, they're going into it, Brad Boxberger, and that's it. Mm. So, you know, they're not, you know, maybe they can go out and move someone for another starting pitcher, a la what they did with Efros and Wisniewski. But, um, 
yeah, I'm taking the over just because I don't see them getting back like a, you know, a significant haul of prospects as they've done the past two seasons. They don't have the volume. They have yeah. happened. That's basically Well, it. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Like, say Cody Bellinger's having a nice season. You know, maybe they try to turn that into something. I don't know, right? That's like, I, it that's just true. is yeah, one yeah, of those things too. where you just never know. I mean, we saw rumors about Marcus Stroman, like, for all we know, given that contract situation. I'm I'm not, I, it's January. I'm not, like, trying to get into Here we trade. Go. Who we trade deadline. <laughs> but I'm just I'm just saying if you're uh, if you're trying God. to gamble on this like I don't know my gut instinct you know you and I are both always like gluttons for punishment and thinking that they're gonna right, be better so what's your than other people think so like I guess I would take the over but by how much I I don't know um, well I mean I guess a better question is do you think the Cubs start out fast right because that's what this is modeling mm-hmm. more or less yeah right? and I think like, like you you understand where you get to because I think I think some fans you know maybe would look at this and say oh man you know like that's not that much better than last year like I would hope that they were better than that right like but at the end of the day like you you just have so many questions and i think that's that's reflected in vegas thinking that they're not quite a 500 team yet you know when you look at like i think i've seen some odds in the division like you know it's it's pretty heavy cardinals brewers and a pretty distant yeah. uh you know third for the cubs in terms of the money you'd have to to bet to make money um and I think that's fair, right? Like you, you have a lot. I, I, as we've discussed, I think you've raised the floor a lot. I think they're better than last year, but in terms of gambling and trying to handicap all of this, like there's a lot of questions, right? Like, is Cody Bellinger in, in, is a good example? Like his range of outcomes is gigantic, right? You know the floor he can provide on defense and as a base runner um, and some power, but like as far as a hitter, he could literally be the worst hitter in the league, or he could literally be the best hitter in the league. We've seen him do both of those things. So Mm. that's a huge question. You know, what type of production do you get from an older, more defense-focused catching tandem throughout the course of an 162-game season? When does Matt Mervis come up and start contributing and how regular is that contribution you look at some of the projections for his offense on fan graph steamer whatever they like him you know they've got him projected as a decidedly above league average hitter like but is that for the whole season you know we don't know exactly what the cubs plan is with that who's playing first base every day like these are things that are huge questions to answer and it leaves a lot that can potentially go right or wrong so i understand like people trying to set these lines and and ultimately make money based on where people are are, are laying their money i i think that this is a, a pretty logical conclusion to reach yeah. So do you think the fans will also share your expectation and not being surprised about the 78 win projection? I feel as if most fans will be surprised. Like when I, when I, you think they, they'd expect it to be higher? Yeah. Like I think when, like when I say I'm surprised, I'm surprised it wasn't 80 flat. Like I thought, you know, it would be 80 flat. So it's really not that surprising. But there's going to be a large group of fans who do get excited about Dansby Swanson and Jameson Tyone. And they see Eric Hosmer's pass and Cody Bellinger's MVP pass. And there are some fans who think this is a markedly better team than last year who won 74 games. It's not that far off from a 74 win total they just had. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of goes back to the conversation that you and I had last week and, you know, I think has been a, a large conversation amongst Cubs fans and, and writers and podcasters, et cetera, that I, I don't know if this number surprises me, but it does disappoint me, right? Like, if we went back to the end of last season and you told me, without telling me what they did in this off season, right? Like, I'm looking at it blind, but that Vegas says 78 wins, I would be like, oh, man, you know, really? Yeah, like, they didn't do course. enough that odds makers think they can be a little better than that? Like, we're not even hitting a 500 over under total? Like, man, that's that's kind if of a bummer. So it's said, not surprising, but it's, it, it, right. it is sort of reflective of, like, I think our, you know, feeling on, on the offseason falling a little short, even if it helped them, I think, build a, a better team than last year. If you said, you know, three years ago, two years ago, rather, um, when they traded Darvish, that in three seasons from then, they'd have a 78 win projection, fans would absolutely, to your point about an, an, an analogy, throwing tomatoes at the Rickets, they would have thrown tomatoes at the Rickets at that point. And they would have been absolutely disgusted by, by Jet, I think. I think the expectation at this point was to be well above 85 wins. So if you're missing your win yeah. total by, you know, five wins, that's just not acceptable. Like this in no realm of reality should the Cubs be in this situation. Now you can think, okay, given the circumstances this offseason, they went about it in a logical way. That's that's fair. However, they're going about it in a logical way based on decisions that were made two seasons ago and the season prior to that. So it's it's an accumulation of all these decisions that were made. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, and it'll be interesting too, um, you know, if we hear from Jed and um, I know you said you wanted to hear from Carter, but uh, as a lot of moves have been made and, you know, maybe we have, um, I, I don't want to say a final roster, but, you know, kind of like getting there, right? Like it will be interesting to hear Jed kind of speak about that. And I would assume that this is the type of, occasion where you know he'll get asked some of those questions right like you know where's the power well where is the power is it still a rebuild like are you know how confident are you in this team making the playoffs like you know I I know that a lot of it as you said you know kind of referring to the owners is um you know exec speak right like you know he's not gonna just show us his cards completely um well he's done that before but that's okay it depends um Well, like when he showed us his cards on needing power, he—I guess he was bluffing. I don't—I don't know. Yeah. Not to continue that I mean, analogy, he said that the uh, the core didn't want to be caught. <laughs> right. That was yeah. So you know. I don't know. Sometimes he shows us <laughs> cards that um, I, I'm not—I'm not sure if we're seeing the same thing. But um, it—it'll it, be a lot of exec speak. But you know, I just—it'll be interesting to check in on some of that stuff and and kind of gauge how he's feeling about things, and at the very least, be able to compare and contrast his words now with some of the other stuff that he's said, right? Does his tune change on certain things? Does the narrative change on certain things? Um, and, and maybe we don't get that. But like I said, with CubsCon, it's it's obviously an occasion where everybody's together, everybody's talking about the Cubs. Um, the organization itself, like obviously the purpose of the event is to uh, get fans together and generate excitement, right? And community and, and ultimately hope that that translates to better business going forward. So, 
um, you are going to have to get some answers from some of these people that ultimately are getting people more excited for the season than when they see the aforementioned 78 win uh, over under projection. Yeah. Well, Jed did give it a little bit of a hint. He talked with uh, uh, the athletic and he said, quote, in short, pitching and defense are really important, but I don't think you just go into an off season and say, this is what we're going to do. You have to be somewhat opportunistic with what's available End quote. So that contrasted with the previous press conference when he said, you know, good teams below teams out and, you know, power was not there. So I think that type of tone where I just read, you know, in short pitching and defense really important, blah, blah, blah. I, I think that will be just kind of regurgitated over and over again. And the market availability will just be a theme. And that deserves criticism because that's not really emblematic of a conscious plan um, that we've been accustomed to hearing for, for so many years. The first break here is from our sponsor, ComEd. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities whom they serve manage their energy usage while lowering energy bills now and into the future. ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territory. Customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights, learn more about network lighting to operate their lights through mobile device and track their facilities usage, and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor, outdoor lighting, and network lighting controls, making these projects even more cost-effective than before. Visit comed.com slash poweringbiz now to start saving money and energy to start a project, contact them at one 2700 For more information, email businessee at comed.com or publicsectoree at comed.com. Second break here is from our sponsor, FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports merch and collectibles, FOCO. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description of this podcast below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. And, you know, just like following up on, uh, you know, you mentioned the Bears there. Uh, as always, want to give a big shout out to our CHGO Bears team. Uh, great work uh, covering the season, but also uh, the the live reaction as the Bears secured the number one pick uh, was really something. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have you covered all offseason here in what figures to be, a, uh, you know, I think as Pat Hughes would say, a, a turning point. Um, for go. the organization. I, I, I do remember, you know, it's obviously different in baseball, Brendan, but like feeling those, um, you know, seasons where the Cubs were tanking in the first rebuild and the importance of those draft picks and developing it. it it's it's a weird spot because you, you have to get to the bottom to get there and you don't really want to be there. Um, but it is, and it's an interestingly like exciting time as a fan when you 
are able to feel like that so much of what the organization is going to decide to do just has the just massive implications. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about Pat. He was calling a Bears game. I think that's what we need like one or two times in our life. I could see that, you know, cold, snowy day, a beautiful blizzard on the field. I think we need that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So back to the Chicago Cubs. I, you know, I know uh, Cody, Ryan, Luke, and, and the guys talked uh, a little bit about Carlos Correa, but just wanted to touch base with you. The saga is over, it is. Brendan. He was introduced, like he, he put on a uniform, like it's it's it's, it's over. It's done with. Yeah, he passed whatever physical he needed to pass. Um, yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, it's, it's one of those situations that's pretty fascinating. I mean, we really haven't seen anything like that in, in free agency, especially with a player of his caliber. Um, when you look back at this off season, how does Correa agreeing to terms with two, uh, with two teams, two massive market teams, huge contracts, um, and ultimately having that fall through because of the the concern around his ankle long term, does that change your perspective on on this offseason at all? Does it change your perspective on Jed or how he approached things or, or Dansby's contract? Like now that that's really over and done with, do, do, does it kind of change anything for you? I think it does. I, I think when you look at the contracts given out, Bogarts, 12 years, close to 300 million, Trey Turner, 330, 13 million, whatever it was in that tier. And then Correa with the uncertainty on that leg. I'm not a doctor, not a medical doctor. The drop from 350 down to- You are a doctor. Well, not in that sense. But the drop from 350 down to 200, like that's a significant drop. So like, I don't know what's going on. I can't say- Oh, the Cubs should have been in on this on 200 million. Like maybe they shouldn't have. I don't know. This seems like a, a mm. crazy injury. I don't know how I feel about that. What I do know, Corey, is that the Cubs have Dansby Swanson for seven years, 177 million compared to Trey Turner and Xander. They aren't strung down for an additional five to six years in his late 30s, early 40s, and they're getting an annual average value that is on par with the best defenders and hitters in the leagues. There's a high probability that Dansby is the one to actually produce the value for which he's being paid. Compared to Xander, compared to Trey Turner towards the end of those deals, you know, the likelihood is they're not going to produce the amount of wins that their annual average value is paying them to do so. But the argument there is, well, up front, Trey Turner, Xander, they're likely to produce more war than Dansby Swanson in their early going. That's a fair argument, but the total sum, I think you can make the argument that Dansby is the guy most likely to produce the value for that contract. For Correa, I don't know how I feel about that, Corey. That is a huge, mm-hmm. this has never happened before. Never. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously it's fascinating. And, you know, I think like it's interesting to think about it from the perspective of Jed's kind of risk-averse profile, right, which is clearly something that is uh, part of his reputation and something that we've seen play out. When you're, you know, when we heard, I think, originally that, like, the Cubs, you know, they were never going to offer him, like, 12 years, right? Um, They don't know that about his ankle at the time. So the the risk-averse sort of strategy is there whether or not 
that's the case. Obviously, if they had engaged and you know Jed had kind of relented on that, it certainly I think the Cubs would have done the same thing the Mets and the Giants did, right? Um, but I just say that to say like it's it's not necessarily validating in Jed's strategy in in Korea specifically because like I said like unless they had some kind of secret source I guess like they didn't I don't think they knew that about like you don't have a physical before you've agreed to a deal right yeah but it is an example of the type of thing that I think Jed would say like look whether we knew this or not this is the type of thing that I'm concerned about this is what what gives me pause if I were considering a just a general injury potential 12. or like the 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 idea of that being a possibility long term 10 years from now right yeah. yes some sort of lingering injury or just some sort of drastic change that happens long down the road but long down the road that we've committed a bunch of money to so you know again like i I I still think that in in a lot of cases you're gonna have to get uncomfortable if you want to get certain players, um, and it doesn't mean that you ignore concerns like this. It doesn't mean that this stuff can't happen, um, but it is sort of just an interesting way for the shortstop market to officially come to a close because we've talked about it for quite some time now, and it is just rather. Um, interesting, I guess, is a, the first word that comes to mind, <laughs> that it ends with uh, something that I think Jed would say, like, yeah, this is why I didn't give anybody a 12-year contract, and we're happy sure. with the Ansby Swanson. Well, you, to your point that you've been saying all along, your job is to put a good team on the field, and right now your team's not good. So, you know, don't go out and sign Correa, but your team is projected to, believe, be, right. be, to be below 500. So I guess congratulations for not signing the guy who has like a messed up leg, but then congratulations to your team being below 500, you know? Yeah, I mean, right. Like that's that's kind of the balance and that's ultimately where you have to kind of figure this stuff out. And I think, you know, like I like the way that the Twins structure that contract, right? Like if they end up, uh, if it ends up going beyond those initial, I think, six years, it's going to be because he's healthy and he's hitting these milestones of, you know, games played or, or whatever they baked into that contract. So at that point, who cares, right? And if yeah. it doesn't, then that's not going to vest and they're not going to have to deal with that. So um, I will say yeah. my, my initial reaction when I saw that 200 million, like right when I saw that early in the morning, I was like, damn, you know, 200 million for Carlos Correa. Like I, I wanted to be in on that. And as I started to get my morning going and thinking about it and thinking about the, the, the leg injury and all the uncertainties from multiple doctors across multiple front offices, the question in my mind came up. It's like, what do I know about that? Like, how can I say the Cubs should have been in on this when you have medical professionals saying this is a legitimate concern. So yeah, to me, because of that, I'm whatever about it. It sucks for Korea to, to have been in that situation, although, you know, 200 million, I'll take that 200 million. But in general, to go from like 350 down to 200, that is insane. That mm-hmm. has to cause even concern about Twins fans and the probability that he may not be able to be that hitter they even saw last year in two three years just given the volatility and certainty of an injury like that well and i i i can also imagine you and i having a conversation that we've had for several years where 
you know, we get the report on Monday that Correa's <laughs> oh sitting because of his ankle. You already know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Correa's sitting because his ankle's, you know, it's sore, or David Ross says. Then three days later, he's still not in the lineup, but he's still not on the IL, right? And then we get to like day nine where he could have just been on the 10-day injured list and they're like yeah he's gonna go have an mri you know what i mean and then five days later it's like oh we're putting him on the il retroactive like we know how that would play out with the cubs we've seen it a thousand times you're missing the finale he comes back after three weeks tests it out up shuts down surgery done and that's it right oh man we say like and then i get a text from brendan at three in the morning saying why didn't they just do the mri in the first place Uh, absolutely (laughs) (laughs) and i will be right about that yeah yeah so, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, Dansby's very durable, and hopefully we don't have to I mean, have he played every game last year. We, we yeah, never talked about that. like that. Yeah, and I think uh, Dansby even said that he and Ross may have some friendly disagreements about his playing time because he wants to play every day. I love that about him. Yeah, so we shall see, but that is uh, ultimately, uh, as we sit here on, you know, I think it, you know, it obviously wrapped up a few days ago, but, you know, officially as we're here on January 13th, all of the shortstops are gone. They, we came and went, we had that off season, and there you go. The Cubs did get one and they uh, were not one of the teams involved in this ever going uh, multi, multi-year agree agreement and, yeah. uh backing out and changing uh, of Carlos. Correa. You know, so. I, just thinking about this and CubsCon and shortstops, I hope that someone from the media, like, or fan, I don't care who it is, ask about a Nico extension. Like, you know, or this the, the, the arbitration guy's extension, you know, Ian Happ, Nico. I, I need to hear like, what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That would be that would be good news. Uh, if you're not going to continue, you know, making additions to the roster as it stands, you know, at least sort of shaping some of the future would be, I think, a nice uh, way to finish out this this offseason. Uh, speaking of CubsCon, I'm sure the answer is no, but like now, I don't know what, what made me think of this, uh, genuinely, mm. but I have this like vision in my head of uh, Theo in like one of his costumes, you know, his disguises, one of his bears. like lingering yeah. through the the hotel and, and CubsCon. He's like, and like maybe asking Jed questions just to like, you know, get a rise out of him, that type of thing. I could see that, you know. Yeah. I bet he still has that bear costume that he wore, you know? That well that I well, people would recognize that one. That's true. Yeah. Well, the one that he was wasn't he putting champagne through one of the eyes? He he sure was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you know what? He has that uh fake mustache, you know. Fake mustache. Yeah. yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. And just like, you know, go into one of the panels like, hey, Jed, I'm just, you know, wondering if you could speak on your predecessor doing a, a much better job yeah. than you and, you know, being smarter what if he and comes out better like, looking. Like than a you. Walter White costume, you know, shaved head, a little bit of mustache, yeah. glasses. I can see it. Yeah. I just, I, li- I just like the idea that Theo is like so accomplished and, and probably very busy in his new role, but that he would still take the time to come and, you know, know, try to mess with Jed, maybe have a few drinks and just screw well, around. Well, I think he moved out of Wrigley. Or Chicago. Right? Yeah, I think he did. Dang. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, I think I, I, they did one of those real estate articles. I, I toured virtually. Oh, so did I. Know, Theo's house. I'm like, all right, yeah. this is where, you know, he signed John Lester. <laughs> yeah, <this moment."> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh. Um. Yeah. So that is the state of the offseason. I, I mean, if we talked about this last time, you know, how to allocate if there was kind of a small amount of money 
left. Um, and, you know, it really sounds like maybe a bench player, that type of thing. But I, you know, for me, my biggest question with this team is still what happens at third base. And you have like a, a mix of players who can probably handle it. Um, that probably being Christopher Morell, Patrick Wisdom, uh, Zach McKinstry, and Miles Mastroboni, right? I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. No, uh, that's basically it. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I don't think you're going to have all these guys make the team or break camp with the team. You certainly have other questions like, are you going to be using a roster spot for Matt Mervis on day one? I certainly hope the answer to that is yes. I, I don't know, um, what would make me comfortable with the answer to that being no but you know just in terms of like how you're you're building out the roster when I know you were you were thinking out loud the other day on Twitter about Christopher Morell and just his athleticism his arm and just how that would play into third base do you do you lean some kind of platoon do you lean letting morell maybe if he looks comfortable at the position defensively get a shot at that like it's such an interesting thing because some of the names involved i I think like you're probably looking at morell and wisdom getting a lot of that time right like they just have such volatility in them you know um we talked a little bit about the defense in particular, but like even just on offense, right? Like, you know, Christopher Morell has some adjustments to make at the plate. And we saw, he's one of those players that we saw at just the highest of highs in in the early season and when he first came up and some real lows where that strikeout rate was out of control. Uh, So that to me, as we head into Cubs con and a you know a month out from pitchers and catchers like that to me is the most fascinating position on this team because I just don't I have no idea what they plan to do there and I feel like even if we tried to figure it out now it could look completely different by the time they break camp or you know as the season gets rolling yeah with Morel as you said comes up he looks good strikeout rate is league average contact rate 70 72 percent and then the league adjusts and his strikeout rate goes and balloons up to 34 percent reaches 40 percent by august he did have a stretch there in july where he normalized but not only did his strikeout rate go up and down from like 22 percent in may to 40 percent in august but his walk rate started at 13 percent and dropped down to one percent in august um So there's just growing pains in a profile like this. His defense is interesting. We've seen the athleticism. The arm strength is off the charts. He has arm strength that's like in the 99th percentile. We saw him make good plays at shortstop when he was there, showcasing athleticism. He did play some second base, some third base, all over the outfield. He played mostly in center field, but could play the corners if needed. He's a versatile Swiss Army Ben Zobris-esque tool that the Cubs, at least towards the end of last season, hinted would be his role. But with Cody Bellinger now at center field with a, with a hole at third base, assuming Wisdom also gets the DH at-bats and some time at first base, and even Wisdom's defense did not rate that well at third base last year, there's a potential that Morel has an opportunity to seize third base and not be that utility guy. I was thinking when you uh, pointed that out that if Morrell does get consistent time at third base to develop, 
maybe that is in the best interest of the Cubs. And then use Master Boney, use Mix, uh, McKinstry to go around the diamond and pray that their outfield is stable with Ian Happ and Saya and Bellinger, and they don't have to use a rotating set of utility guys. I think that's in the best case for the Cubs. Now, going into the year, or the offseason rather, in November, I probably would have thought I wanted Morrell to be that utility guy. I think I'm shifting a little bit, just given how the Cubs have operated, given some of their prospect development, um, given what their intentions might be with Brennan Davis and Canario and PCA. Brennan Davis can base play center field. PCA might move through the system fast if all things go well. Third base is right there. And I do wonder if he can take hold of that. And I'm reminded too, when Ian Happ was talking uh, with our guys on uh, our pod a few weeks ago, he said one of the reasons why he developed into a gold glove guy in left field was because of that consistent playing time. Not having having to play center field, not having to play second base. He was a natural second baseman coming up. So that automatically makes me think, okay, if your main guy in the outfield is saying that, then what if we apply that logic to a young guy, Morrell, and not Mm -hmm. make the same mistake we made with Ian Happ? I'm not saying that was a mistake, but it just took Ian a long time to get to the the point where he is a stable outfielder. Maybe it makes sense from day one to put Morrell in as your guy and go through those growing pains. Well, and and not you know, uh, you 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 always knew that my favorite quote from Ian Happ was yeah, in that first big league yeah. camp when he said, "I just want to be as versatile as possible." Talking to I think Sean Casey on the MLB Network, <laughs> um, and you know, at the time and with that roster, like that was probably the most valuable thing. But you know, and and this isn't a, a dig at Happ; he just won a Gold Glove. But like you know, not everybody can be Ben Zobrist, right? Ben Zobrist is a very special player because champion. he was able to play all over the field and do it, you know, pretty adequately at, at every position, if not better than adequately, and just be the same guy, right? That's why he was incredible. That's why he had the success that he did. Um, not everybody can do that and excel at the different positions and the skills that it takes to excel at them. Um, yeah, I mean, I think with Morell, it's a lot to put on him, right? And I agree with you. I think that on a different roster, I really like him as a utility guy, right? Just the the athleticism that he provides, the speed he provides, the potential power that he provides. I think he's like a, a perfect candidate he's for that. He's a Chris Taylor kind of guy. Yeah, well, and like good Chris Taylor, not the bad one right. that we saw, right. I think, last year. Um, but I think with this group, right, they might need Morell to be more than that, right, if they want to be good. Um, and you can obviously, you know, you don't need him to play 162 games. You know, Wisdom has obviously shown what he can provide and, and the value that he has against, you know, certain matchups and things like that. But when you are talking about, okay, like how do we lift a team that, you know, we're talking about them having a a 78 win over under, like how do we lift them above that, right? And one thing that we've talked about a ton, and I think they did a good job of is, you know, cleaning up the margins, right? Like being better on the bases, being better on defense, doing things to win one run games, which those two things do and a lot of other things do. And they lost a ton of one run games last year. So I think they've done good work at that. But then like one of the other ways is you need breakouts, right? And Matt Mervis is obviously the 
I think, the kind of talk of the town in that regard, right? Because if he comes up and he performs as he was in the trajectory he was on in the minors, well, great. Now you've got a, a just a slugging first baseman that's just ripping home runs at a crazy pace. That would be wonderful, right? Uh, but I think Morell also maybe is one of those guys you can look at and say, like, does he have, you know, star potential and can you unlock it? And it it may not be something that's easy to do. And again, this is a lot to put on him, right? And and having to make the adjustments that he does to be able to to sustain his success at the plate. But maybe that's one of the avenues that you should be looking at, you know? Like well, I think he know can do what it. Patrick Wisdom can do. And is there a lot more value in saying, hey, like, maybe if we let Christopher Morell get comfortable playing defense over there and start out hitting toward the, you know, the the bottom portion of the lineup again and just focus on on being a better MLB hitter, maybe you sacrifice a little bit of something to make a little more contact here and there, maybe that working out, whatever percentage you put on that working out, maybe it working out is something we really need to prioritize and see if it can shake out that way. Game time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you've ever dreamed in a seat you never thought you could, like the 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats, at a concert, it's now possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Blackhawks games, Bulls games, Cubs spring training coming up here in the next two months. This app is created by the fans, for the fans, so you know it guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in this description, you can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events. Second break here from DraftKings. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL to kick off the road to Super Bowl 57. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else right now? The line for the Giants and the Vikings is just three points. The line is much larger for the Seahawks and Niners at 10 points. Those might be two games you can get in on. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code CHGO, and new customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and, again, get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. All right, Brendan. So as we wrap up here, uh, one thing I did want to touch on, the MLB Pipeline account talked to some um, MLB execs about, uh, you know, the the systems and reputations and things like that. And one of the takeaways was that uh, the Cubs, you know, got some some pretty strong praise in in this article over from MLB Pipeline. 
Um, one thing that they stated was that they feel like the Cubs have one of the most underrated farm systems. Um, specific mentions of them being one of the best organizations at developing pitchers and developing hitters. Um, and just like their overall standing of their farm system, they didn't necessarily have them at the the tippy top in terms of farm systems, but just a lot of you know high marks in terms of how they're developing players, um, what the overall standing of the system is, things like that. And you know, I, I look like how much stock you put in that, I is up to you. Uh, ultimately, like I think for a lot of us, uh, it's really what happens. You know, once are you producing stars? Are you producing that pipeline that that gets to the major league roster? But I think. For as we track the organization and we track uh, this current rebuild, that I, we're we're allowed to call it that, right? We Jed? are. Yeah. I'm assuming Jed is listening. Like we're gonna we're gonna call it. He that, listens right? every like, episode. You, we know you that. You kind of missed the, the 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 window to prove that that wasn't the case. Yeah. So as we track all of this, like again, like I think a lot of people would probably prefer they were in a better spot at the major league level and and getting ready for what we were you know, confident would be a a potential World Series season at this point. It is worth, I think, taking the time to note this stuff, right? Because we, as fans, especially, you know, even just your and I's age, Brendan, like, we've seen this system in disarray, right? And the reputation of the Cubs and their prospects and their development and every level of that was horrible, And so, you know, to be in a place where you're getting good marks like that from other executives around the league and your reputation has reached that point, there's there's worse things in the world, right? Yeah. Listen, the Cubs have a high volume of prospects. We we always knew that. And there's so many guys you can see hitting their ceiling and being like 60 out of 80 plus value guys. You can look at P. Crow Armstrong with the defensive floor being so high and the offensive potential being there. You can see him being like a four plus win player in the same type of tier as we're talking with Nancy Swanson, like with these. And they look at Kevin O'Contra, the size, the power, the development last year, even lower in the system now with the super high ceiling guys like Christian Hernandez, James Triantos, uh, Owen Casey, progressed. He's at the AFL. Uh, He was at the AFL, rather. That's a big moment for him. New uh, drafty Kate Horton, Caleb Killian got some innings last year. Jordan Wicks might get innings this year. DJ Hurst was aggressive in his promotion to AA. And then you have Jackson Ferris, Cubs second round draft picks last year, who has a lot of good stuff. Uh, Canario coming back from injury. Ed Howard looks healthy. Reggie Preciado's healthy. Ben Leeper. Like, these are a lot of names, Corey. I'm getting exhausted saying them. But of that group, I think the criticism is that they don't have those surefire guys where we, we've been accustomed to the Chris Bryans and all of those guys, Javi Baez, the top five prospects in the game. They don't have those guys right now. And that leaves a lot of fans a little bit on edge because the prospect system and the rebuild before this one, it seemed like, okay, once they get their chance, we will have a pretty good idea what this team looks like. For this team right now, you can also look at the guys who just listed off. You can look at Brennan Davis and be worried about his back injury. You can work, you can look at Pete Crow Armstrong and wonder, can he hit at double A next year? You can look at uh, Owen Casey and see that strikeout rate and that power at a high A last year and wonder, does he need to hit for more power or is he sacrificing too much power for contact right now? You can look at Caleb Killian and wonder, what the hell happened to your command? DJ Hurts, why was your walk rate astronomically high, almost a double digits last year? Jackson Ferris has barely played professional baseball. Canario had two significant injuries. These were 
questions we didn't have with the previous core. The one concern we did have with the previous core was Javi Baez's strikeouts. That was essentially it, and he was able to go in and fix that, go from a contact rate of like the mid-50s to upper 50s in the percents upwards to passable for, for power. So I think the reason why it's... Uh, rated as underrated is just because there's so many varying opinions on these guys, and that's represented by all those huge ceilings and potential concerns we just listed off. Yeah, I this is not especially relevant. I, well, kind of, but I just can't resist myself. Yeah. Uh, one of the other concerns you mentioned, Javi, in the previous core was Chris Bryant's strikeout rate, and I am always. <laughs> uh, fond to mention that he lowered it every year he did uh drastically because he's incredible and as a reminder from 2015 to 2019 there were only two MLB players that were more valuable uh as a position player than Chris Bryant yeah, we have and not that was Mike Trout and Mookie Betts that's it yeah I, you know, your, I, I your miss those annual days. reminder for me of how good Chris Bryant was I miss those days Corey when we, when we were when we would talk about that you know, that 2017, yeah. that 2018 era, you know. <sighs> you and I were probably pretty annoying. Oh, we and I think. we still are pretty annoying, I think, you know. Yeah, but the team <laughs> being bad, I think, lessens our ability to be annoying. Uh, I don't know. It's not up for us to decide. I, you know, look, yeah, I think ultimately, like, you know, what uh, this type of you know, poll or or whatever MLB pipeline did, like, you know, you can put whatever value in it you want. I just, I think it's interesting because that the organization itself has overhauled so much of this. They've, they've brought in new coaches, they brought in new systems, they, they talk about it a ton. And, you know, it's better that it seems to be going well, right? If you're going to invest that much in it, time, energy, um, money, etc. Like it's it's good that the reputation is good and seemingly continues to get better each uh, passing season, yeah. right? Like if the organization is going to put this much into it, it would be pretty scary. I think if people were like, "Oh, the Cubs' development stinks," I you know they spent a bunch of money and hired all these coaches. I don't know what they're doing <laughs> over there, right? It's 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 better than that alternative. Yeah. Well, we were in that alternative reality in 2019 where you know coaches and people inside baseball wondering what the hell are the cubs doing like some people were saying the cubs have the worst pitching infrastructure in the league and they weren't wrong ultimately we saw those results or lack thereof so there, there was a point in time not too long ago where the cubs were perceived to be way behind the rest of the league in development and they're not there and some people think they're at the top if not the best that is a drastic turnaround yeah yeah, it's 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 a better better place to be than some others. So, um, but we do need to see I, results, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's where, that's where I am with it. Yeah, I I I am definitely on, I'm definitely on board with that. Um, we do need to see it at the MLB level. Um, I I think that's you know pretty much the gist of what we have for you. I think you know again, like I I don't necessarily expect that this is the end of the off season here uh but i i would think that anything else that happens is probably minor i i just don't get the sense that they're they're in on anything else like that but you know as always like trades can pop up at any time um we have heard some nick magical rumors Corey. yeah i i I couldn't really tell if those were actual rumors or just kind of speculative um you know how i would feel about that um you know 
Yeah, I know. I don't have a car, but if he needs a ride to the airport, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Right? Well, you have done that in the past. You know, drive players to the airport. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. Corey Seager. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, so, you know, and, and that's and that's another thing, too. Like, the Cubs have to decide uh, what to do there. There's only so much playing time. And, you know, even we were listing off those names at third base. Like, some of those guys can play more than one position. And, you know, you just don't have a ton of room for you know, some not necessarily strong hitting middle infielders, right? And I, I think the magical situation, like I, it's it's sort of in, in jest at least a little bit. I don't I don't hate the dude. Yeah, um, I you know how I feel about that profile of player. That is not a new thing for me. I am not a fan of no power, contact heavy, you know, singles kind of guy. That's not true. That's not true. You like Mark Rizalonic? Uh well the 2003 Cubs are different. You know I mean you mean? liked you Ryan Terrio. Who did? <laughs> you did. You you I, listen. <laughs> I need all of you to understand that what Brendan just said is erroneous, and I will not have that attached to my name. I did not ever, and I never will like Ryan Terrio. He was good, man. He had like a war. He had like a weight on base average of like 341 that year, care. 2008. He hit seven home runs in one year. I don't care, and you know it's grossly against the rules to be having this conversation. I do. <laughs> anyway, um, Mike it is, it is interesting. Like I don't know what the trade value there would be, but I, I think the 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 issue that I have, you know, for Nick and and kind of trying to figure out where he fits on this roster is just like where are you going to find the spot to give him an op the op. In order to prove whether or not he can be the hitter that he was in the brief time he was up at the MLB level with the White Sox, right? Um, he needs time, and I just I'm not sure where you're going to get that, right? Defensively, he's got to play second base, and Nico and Dansby should play a, what a minimum 150 games together, right? So there's no time there, and even if Mervis doesn't come up right away and you let Hosmer kind of hold things down at first until he's ready, you cannot use the DH spot on a guy that can't hit the ball to the wall. You can't do that, you know? On a team that doesn't have any power, if you had a ton of power everywhere else and you just needed to insert a contact-heavy guy to cut down on some of the strikeouts, maybe I would entertain it. But you're going to have a designated hitter that can't hit the ball 350 oh, yeah. feet that doesn't make sense to me Brendan like yeah. I, I can't justify that so it becomes a situation where it's like where does he get the playing time you know if you're interested in a guy like Zach McKinstry and seeing what he can do and you know the the status that he had with the Dodgers and trying to like figure that out you might have the opportunity for that and he can play multiple positions you're not really sure about third base etc but I just am not sure where Madrigal gets that chance to to kind of prove that. So if you're the organization, you'd have to kind of believe that that was going to happen without seeing it. Well, the devil's advocate response is that, you know, he's infield depth. To have someone that might be able to get back to some periods of his career where he was league average, slightly above league average offensively, that is worth the league minimum. That might be what they're thinking, you know. But then, yeah, I mean, I look. I'm not look. My my issue would come if he were eating a ton of playing time 
And, you know, the results were kind of what we saw last year. You know, it's just at some point just as true of anybody else. Like, you can have runway to figure things out and and prove it, um, you know, or develop into the player you need to be. But ultimately, like, that runway can't be forever, you know. And I, you know, again, like, like I under, you know, a depth piece, sure. But, like, he, you cannot let him DH, you know. (laughs) You can't DH someone that doesn't have any well, power. He, I, that's you know, that's my philosophy. I, 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 I know we're new at having the DH, uh, so prior to this, I wasn't really considering it too much. I was just interested in watching John Lester hit an opposite field home run once a year. But like <laughs> the the person doing that, unless you are overcome with power everywhere else, you cannot have a DH that can't hit for power minimum. Well, I hate to break it to you, but he might be DH on day one. That I, that's an embarrassing decision. Preemptively, I'm just like, saying that's, it might happen. That's Brendan. That's embarrassing. I, you're talking to the same person about this. The league is giving you a a free hitter, and that's what you're doing with it. Yeah. That's terrible. They may do it. They may terrible. do it. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, I think the roster is very different than it was in in makeup the rules have changed from when he was acquired you have more depth in master boney and uh mckinstry morell came out of nowhere the 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 development in the minors have progressed a little bit there's no shift you have matt mervis coming up i do think the context has changed where his role may be best served as a trade chip but i just won't believe it until it actually happens this team has not really been able to pull off those types of of deals at this point Corey. so we'll, we'll see yeah. yeah can we like can we include him in a trade for some like star that i don't know the diamondbacks don't want or something like that <sighs> or the rockies i don't know i so desperately want to be in on one of those trades I one know. time it looks so fun where it's like that. oh we got a potential hall of famer for nothing <laughs> i know one day maybe one day one day we're gonna need jed to maybe be open to being uh you know have some risk potential at some point in his life so. he says he does like to commit you know yeah um all right well that's what we have for you uh as we said if you're listening to this on friday morning uh and are going to cubs con uh attending some of the meetups around town with people that are in town or just you know checking things out on marquee uh enjoy Uh, It's good to have a little bit of Cubs baseball back in our lives. We'll get, you know, obviously some looks at some of the new faces interacting with their teammates and the fans and wearing their jerseys and things like that. So that's always exciting. Uh, Obviously, next week, uh, the CHGO Cubs team back with you live shows on Monday, starting Monday. And, you know, uh, Luke, Cody, Ryan, and, uh, you know, everybody else that's part of our team will break down any of the goings-on that are, are worth breaking down from this weekend, kind of take a look at the weekend that was uh, interesting or otherwise. And then, of course, Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday uh, to continue talking about this Cubs off season. Um, I'm hoping it's been a while, but hoping to get back in the studio, Luke and Cody and Ryan next week. Uh, so, you know, obviously I know so many of you can't miss my live on-camera appearances so you can look forward to those getting back up now that i'm back in chicago from the holidays uh and other than that we appreciate you guys support of chgo everything going on at chgo and the chgo cubs podcast don't forget to use that code chgo when you sign up at DraftKings. thank you for listening we will talk to you again soon and as always go cubs <laughs>